welcome. My name is Wendy Wolfman, and I'm director of the menopause unit at Mount Sinai Hospital, as well as the Premature Ovarian Insufficiency Clinic. I'm professor in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of Toronto, president of the Canadian Menopause Society and board member of the International Menopause Society, as well as the first clinical chair in menopause called the Carol Mitchell Chair. And it's my great pleasure today to talk to you about some of the presentations that occurred at the International Menopause Society meeting in Lisbon, Portugal between October 26th and 29th. And there were many exciting revelations uh, that we found when we attended that meeting that we wanna share with you today. And thank you, Bear, for sponsoring this. And it gives me great pleasure today to present um, one of the speakers who is going to highlight the presentations from the International Menopause Society. And Celine will be speaking on a fascinating topic, and that is sleep in the menopause and perimenopause. Let me introduce Dr. Bouchard. She's a Canadian obstetrician gynecologist practicing in Quebec City with a special interest in menopause. She has been involved in women's health research for many years and involved as a co-investigator in many trials on menopausal hormonal therapy. She sits on the editorial board of the NAMS journal Menopause and on the editorial board of the Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology of Canada. She is an active member of the Canadian Menopause Society and she is responsible for the Quebec regional section for the society. She is now the treasurer actually of the Canadian Menopause Society. So uh, it gives me great pleasure to present Dr. Bouchard, uh, who's gonna tell us all about this exciting presentation. Thank you very much, Wendy, for this uh, nice presentation. So it's my pleasure to present today, uh, Optimizing Sleep Across the Menopausal Transition by Fiona Baker. Uh, it was for me a revelation, you know, uh, I didn't know that uh, it was so interesting to, uh, to attend this uh, conference. I knew that I, I didn't know much about uh, sleeping disorder and menopause, but uh, for me, it was a revelation. So what's next? So what is, why is good sleep health important? So I will say that uh, good sleep is essential to good health. However, sleep medicine has focused mainly on the definition, identification and treatment of sleep problem, and unfortunately, no so on sleep health. So key component of sleep health is the satisfaction and alertness during the daytime function. So why is it important to have a definition of sleep health? It's, a, it's new, it's a multidimensional pattern of sleep wakefulness adapted to individual social and environmental demands that promote physical and mental well-being, we also know that good sleep health is characterized by subjective satisfaction, appropriate timing, adequate duration, high efficiency, and sustained alertness during waking hours. A good sleep has a direct a beneficial effect on cleaning brain toxin, mainly in the deep sleep stage, 
for uh, stage three and four, and has a positive effect on memory uh, consolidation in the REM stage. Sleep is also important, as you know, for the control of mood, immune system, blood pressure regulation, hormone balance, weight maintenance, and sex drive, has healthy heart and balance. So, what is the sex difference in insomnia between um, uh, men and women? You know, we have a definition of insomnia as by the SM5. Insomnia is described as difficulty falling asleep for more than 20 to 30 minutes, waking up frequently during the night for a total of 20 to 30 minutes or more, and early morning awakening, half an hour before the usual time or before sleep reaches uh, 6.5 hours. Insomnia must, must also be chronic to have the definition, having three nights by week, by week since three months of insomnia. So uh, with an impact of your daily function and negatively affect you socially, socially occupationally, or in the other important area in your life, uh, it's a very important point. You can see that uh, male and female has a discrepancy between them. Uh, and we can see that the more you are older for women, more you're suffering of insomnia, achieving more than 30% of patients uh, older than 65 years old suffering from insomnia. It's an important point of quality of life for women. So in this slide, we can see that uh, it's a longitudinal analysis uh, with sleep, sleep difficulties across uh, menopausal transition is uh, from the SWAN, a study of women across the nation. The study was done on uh, 3,000 women aged from uh, 42 to 52 years of age. Uh, they were followed during seven years. It is a self-reported uh, number of nights of difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, and early morning awakening. Uh, the questionnaire was done once a year. In summary, they found that sleep maintenance, in particular, but in particular, but also sleep initiation in early, in early morning awakenings, are relatively prevalent concern among women uh, uh, in menopause going through the menopausal transition. Not that that in the WHI study, hormone therapy led to modest improvement in sleep. In, in Swan's hormone therapy and more improvement in bodily pain in this group of high level or impairment. So we, you can see that uh, in the late menopause and postmenopause patient, you can see that 40% of uh, women uh, suffer for early morning awakening and uh, almost 20% uh, suffering for uh, sleep maintenance difficulty and uh, sleep uh, on onset difficulty. So the most problem is sleep maintenance difficulty. As what as what I was quite surprised to see that is the main problem of women in the sleep disturbances in the, for women in menopause. So the next slide is a sleep trajectories before and after the final menstrual period still coming from Kravitz uh, in, the Swan, uh, in the SWAN study. 
so you can see that uh, the you can see that the time around the the final uh, per menstrual period you can see that there is some group group three and four mainly uh, almost uh, 40 percent of the, the population near 40% of the population in menopause has a, you know, an increased prevalence of a, a problem waking several times. And it can come to 30% uh, of this population suffering of that. So it's a very important point of uh, insomnia in, in, uh, in a patient, in certain group of patients. You can see also that uh, the majority of, uh, even in the, the lowest group, we can see that you have an increase of uh, women reporting uh, waking several times a night uh, to the group two, 30 to 40%, and the group one, zero to 10%. So it's uh, an important point of uh, difficulty for women. In this slide, we can, it's a premenopausal women with insomnia report more wakefulness and greater night to night variability at home. It's published by Baker, the present, the, 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 the lady who, pre who present this, uh, this uh, slide. Uh, you can see also that uh, it's a comparison with a sleep diary with 14 days, women without insomnia compared with women with insomnia. Uh, we can see that uh, sleep deficit was almost 50% of the sample having less than six hours of sleep. So in the, in the slide, in the research that she published, women with insomnia uh, have less than six hours of sleep, 50% of them. And uh, you know that uh, it's, uh, it's variable, uh, it's not constant, depending on the day that they are. And, uh, it, and you know that 20, 20 minutes to 30 minutes, that's the definition of insomnia, awakening, uh, wakefulness after sleep onset. So that is the definition. Uh, and it was significant. There is a strong link between self-reported hot flashes and insomnia symptoms. We know that in each gynecology, practice that people report a lot of hot flashes, night sweats at, in the night. So the, the night sweat wake up the patient. And then we know that the more severe patient, the more they have, the more they suffer from uh, insomnia symptoms. That is not surprising to see this graph. This, this graph, uh, you know, that severe patient uh, report that 80% of chronic insomnia. Unfortunately, even if we correct all the hot flashes, night sweats, yes, a lot of people will have still uh, awakening in the night. We have now the, the, the next slide is a strong link between measure hot flashes and awakening. Uh, it's a graph from Dan Zambotti, uh, published in Fertility and Sterility uh, and Baker. It was in a lab with a polysomnography and objectively recorded hot flashes with monitor and in the skin and heart beat. Uh, they record the, the, the sweat also. And they found that uh, this most uh, patient hot flashes is associated with awakening in 70%. Uh, we have also hot flashes occurring after the awakening 
11%. And surprisingly, we can have our flashes not associated with awakening. I was quite surprised to see this result. 20% of patients will not feel uh, the hot flashes even if they have. So, and predictor of hot flashes awakening were being in light stages of a non-REM sleep. So in the stage normally one or two, and because there are five stages in the sleep and not one and two at the beginning of a deep uh, sleep and high BMI and older age. Hot flashes significantly contribute to nocturnal wakefulness. So it's a presentation by Dan Zambotti uh, showing us that uh, we have uh, hot flashes, uh, an average of 3.5 objective hot flashes by night in this population. And more you have, more you are awake in the, in the night. So uh, they said that the hot flashes associate time awake per night on a range of 16 minutes, uh, which account for around 30% of the total awake time per night. Hot flashes associated time awake, but not hot flashes frequency was negatively uh, associated with sleep efficiency and positively associated with waking after sleep onset. Now we have the result of a very interesting study, cognitive behavioral therapy in, with insomnia, CBTI. Uh, so treating insomnia with cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia in postmenopausal is uh, very uh, an important uh, tool now. It's natural and uh, it's uh, working as you can see. So they, they measured the, the, they measured the index of uh, severity of insomnia. You can see insomnia symptom decreasing yeah? uh, and uh, uh, persisting for six months after the, the, the treatment with CBTI. We can see that the wake after sleep onset uh, control uh, against CBTI uh, you have an increase, uh, you have a decrease of the wake after sleep on, on set, and you have also with the control group. So it's, it seems to be uh, waking, uh, fading up with time. Uh, we can see that with the back uh, depression index, we have a, uh, a less depression symptom, the back decrease uh, compared to the, the regular the control patient. And uh, we see that with the DBAS is dysfunctional attitude and belief about sleep. It's very interesting to see that if you have this kind of a belief, uh, you is an important mediating role in perturbating and even exacerbating what your insomnia. So if you control your dysfunctional attitude and belief about sleep, you control your. Uh, it's a good point to help your to help for insomnia. So at the end, what I learned is uh, that uh, women are frequently uh, at a risk of sleep disorders uh, compared to men. It's very frequent, particularly at the time of menopause, at the transition period. And sleep disorders have an important impact on quality of life. If frequent nighttime awakening represents the most frequent complaint. Uh, so I was surprised. I thought that it was uh, falling asleep that was the most co frequent complaint. But no, it's a frequent nighttime awakening. And uh, cognitive behavioral therapy uh, with insomnia is effective as first line therapy. So it's an interesting uh, 
point uh, of uh, teaching for each of the gynecologists and family physician to learn about the problem with insomnia and menopause and how to uh, add, how to uh, discuss with patients and maybe uh, tell them that they are not alone that a lot of patients suffering from that that and you can have solution uh, with uh, medication or CBTI. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Celine. That was amazing. Um, so I have a question. If you have a woman who's previously been a good sleeper and she comes to you as a patient having frequent hot flashes, how would you approach that problem? Uh, if I have a patient with the frequent hot flashes at night, and insomnia. And insomnia, first of all, I will teach them how to, you know, the behavioral therapy, you know, how to abort the problem with the sleep, you know, sleep, uh, uh, go to bed early if you are, if you are asleep, you know, the usual recommendation. And after that, I will move to hormone therapy. I will try uh, for sure to relieve the hot flashes, to try to help, but it doesn't seem in the... WHI that is help a lot in insomnia. Maybe she will. We think that we help a lot, but it doesn't. It doesn't uh, show that in the, you know a placebo control study. So uh, I will suggest for sure uh, to help her to decrease anxiety, to decrease, uh, to increase the, the mood. But uh, I'm not sure that it will uh, finish the awakening problem in the night but we try. Okay. Thanks a lot, Celine. Thank you.